From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Hello, hello, and welcome to the broadcast. Good to have you aboard and hope you'll stay with us for the duration. Have a great show coming up. Towards the uh, bottom of the hour, we'll uh, talk with R. Gary Patterson, rock and roll investigator. He's really a rock historian and uh, sort of made his bones with the whole uh, Paul is dead uh, rumors that came out uh, back in the, the late 60s and persist really to this day. Uh, and of course, he's also uh, written a number of other books, including Hellhounds on Their Trail and Tales from the Rock and Roll Graveyard. Uh, he's done some uh, tremendous work with uh, VH1. Uh, one in particular that um, I thought was just brilliant was uh, all, all to do with the 27 Club, all of these famous musicians from Janis Joplin to Kurt Cobain. I mean, the list is as long as your arm. Musicians that checked out at the age of 27. And uh, he's also done uh, episodes or, or series on uh, Hollywood curses. Our Gary Patterson will be here as we commemorate the 73rd birthday of former Beatle John Lennon. Hard to believe he's been gone nearly 33 years. We'll talk about uh, Lennon's life, his times, and his curious death. You know, some people still maintain, and I think there's, I don't think you can dismiss it out of hand. In fact, even the, one of the New York homicide detectives investigating Lennon's death admitted to British journalist author Fenton Bresler that there was something very suspicious about Mark David Chapman's behavior immediately following Lennon's shooting, how he sat down on the curb, he could have ran across the street and jumped onto a subway and disappeared into the night, and yet he just sat down on the sidewalk uh, I guess, uh, removed Catcher in the Rye from his hip pocket and began reading it. Anyway, it struck this police detective as very strange. And he didn't rule out entirely that, uh, you know, maybe Chapman may have been programmed. Not necessarily the gunman, but perhaps a Manchurian candidate programmed to be a patsy, to be there the wrong time, uh, the right place at the wrong time, if you will. And all this talk about, uh, you know, mind control and uh, Manchurian candidates, electronic harassment and so forth, pretty much, you know, disparaged by the mainstream media, except now it's starting to percolate to the surface. We're hearing, uh, well, for example, the, uh, the horrible circumstances at the Washington Naval, Naval Yard a couple of weeks ago and uh, the, uh, the alleged gunman in that instance. Uh, was complaining about hearing, you know, voices in his head, complaining about being electronically harassed, being subjected to ELF, electromagnetic waves. And as I say, even the mainstream media caught on to that. So this whole idea of some shadowy organization uh, targeting certain individuals uh, for mind control, uh, gaining new currency every day, really. And so uh, we'll chat about that. And in the not-too-distant future... Um, Kathy O'Brien and Mark Phillips will be on the program as well. Of course, uh, Kathy, probably one of the most uh, well-known high-profile survivors of the Monarch Mind Control program, sort of an offshoot of MKUltra, a victim who um, and a recovered survivor. She'll be on the program along with uh, Mark Phillips, who is uh, sort of credited uh, with rescuing Kathy O'Brien from the clutches of this uh, this horrible program. And in fact, uh, uh, Kathy O'Brien and uh, Mark Phillips uh, are coming up to Toronto. I just want to uh, mention this because my good friends uh, Patrick and Kadena from Conspiracy Culture, 1696 Queen Street uh, West, uh, are putting on a spectacular event. 
MK Ultra and Project Monarch, a survivor's tale with Kathy O'Brien and Mark Phillips. And that is taking place Sunday, October the 20th. And, uh, I guess for, you know, for ticket information, the best thing to do is, uh, go to the website, conspiracyculture.com and, uh, and call Patrick and Kadena and inquire about tickets. Um, However, there's someone else on that bill I think you'd be very interested in. And this is someone who is also very outspoken about uh, mind control and MKUltra and Hollywood, for that matter. And it's a, a great pleasure to welcome uh, to the program to discuss MKUltra and how it rules Hollywood, actress, comedian, writer, television producer, Roseanne Barr. Roseanne, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. And uh, welcome to the program. I appreciate your time tonight. You'll be also uh, coming to Toronto on the 20th of October to mm-hmm. talk about MK Ultra and Hollywood. And I'm gonna, mostly I'm there to uh, introduce Kathy and Mark and uh, talk about you know some of the stuff you're talking about also. I, I have to commend you. Uh, you know, for someone who has your stature in in Hollywood to come out and and openly talk about. MK Ultra and and uh, it's you know how it has the film and television uh, industry in its clutches. Uh, very brave uh, thing for you to do. Was there a what was? I've always talked about it. You have. <laughs> I've always talked about it. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, I have for decades talked about it. Um, I'm from Salt Lake City, Utah, so you know <laughs> I, I've seen a lot of stuff and. Uh, you know, mind control is, you know, that's a huge subject, and I'm glad that, uh, you know, I'm glad to be part of, of uh, bringing it more to people's attention. Was when you say you've been talking about it for decades, I mean, but when you when you talked about it, I guess more recently, it really uh, caught a lot of people's attention. Why was that? I mean, what was there for you? Um, this moment, this aha moment where you sort of lined up all of, you connected all the dots and, and, and it became clear to you that MK Ultra was, was running Hollywood? Well, you know, it doesn't just run Hollywood. It, you know, I mean, there's specific things that, uh, you know, there are specific things that Hollywood does, but it's not just Hollywood. It, it's the, it, it's the collective unconscious. It rules all that. Um, you know, and it has since, uh, you know, before, before, uh, you know, from Germany. That, that's where it all came from, Monarch, and all that stuff came from Nazis. So I, I'm Jewish, and uh, I, I always was on the trail of it since Operation Paperclip when they brought over Nazis to the United States to head, um, you know, our medical, um, you know, you know, medical and space and health things. You know, I've always just kind of been very interested in in uh, following that, how that happened, how how people we supposedly defeated came to, you know, pretty much run our country. Yes, uh, it seems several decades later, and they did it with mind control. And you know, it's not it's not just um, you know Hollywood; it's religion too, and all popular media. It's the news; it's everything. Sure, it's it's, it's pervasive. I mean, it's patriarchy itself. It's a it's a hierarchical system that terrorizes people so that uh, they can't think. Now, when when you talk about and, and I'm going to talk about Hollywood here, and and, and I, I agree. I mean, it's, it is pervasive. Um, but I'm just trying to wrap my head around, you know, the statement that it it um, it rules in Hollywood. Are you talking uh, sort of in broad terms, in the sense that they have uh, used 
film and television as sort of a mass brainwashing tool? Or are you talking even more specifically, for example, where individuals, let's say um, uh, actors, artists in Hollywood, are in fact victims of, of mind control, ritualistic well, abuse all, and so all forth? All things, all things. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know it, it's, it's the uh, narrative that everybody in this country swallows, and it's in every movie, all television, all media. It, it's a big, fat fairy tale. And, uh, you know, if you break it down and, uh, and uh, you know, really break it down and, and see how it works, yeah, it has victims and it has agents. Right. Uh, well, I mean, we, we, we've known that there is sort of a, uh, a, a an entertainment li- a CIA entertainment liaison office and and the CIA will fund Hollywood movies uh, yes. and, and try to shape the message did you ever experience oh, yeah, any of that firsthand try. it doesn't try it definitely shapes the message and nothing gets made that's aber- that that it doesn't approve nothing won't be made no movies no TV nothing Comedian, no, no, actor, uh, writer, producer uh, Roseanne Barr uh, with us talking about uh, MK Ultra, and uh, she will be uh, in Toronto along with Kathy O'Brien and Mark Phillips on October the twentieth. Um, conspiracy yeah, I'm, culture. I'm going to be there talking about how we can heal from it, and that's what I want to bring to this whole discussion. And Kathy and I talk a lot about what what are the ways that our returning troops and other people who have PTSD. And, uh, you know, things that are trauma-based programming and uh, just living with trauma itself. What, what are the things we can do to get over it, to put it behind us and, and heal from it? And, that, and that's what we're, I'm going to be talking well, about. We're going to take a time out in just a few minutes. Can you stay with us? And on the other side, maybe uh, like we can talk about that? Sure. Okay. Before we before the break, though, I just wanted to ask you. Uh, I mean, you've you've talked about uh, having been treated for a, dissoci- a dissociative identity disorder, and and I know mm-hmm. from uh, sort of a casual historian looking at the uh, sort of the origins of MK Ultra and the Nazis, and and sort of the barbaric methods that they used. We're talking now seventy years ago uh, mm-hmm. through ritualistic abuse. Uh, to create uh, in in an otherwise healthy mind to fracture the psyche and create right. a, a disassociative identity disorder. Uh, that's right, the that, perfect the perfect slave. Yeah, that's seventy years ago, and I, I just uh, do you ever think about you know that's what they were doing seventy years ago? What could they be capable of doing now? Well, you know, I mean, you said it yourself. What they're capable of doing now? I mean, you know, they're they're capable of a lot of things, and uh, you know, the only thing they're not capable of is uh, fixing anything or um, apologizing to people or or turning around, uh, you know, the big march to the edge of the cliff where they want us all to jump off. Those are the only things that they're incapable of changing. I mean, you, you, we, we talked about the, the Nazi, the origins of, of this program with the Nazi scientists and, and, and uh, so forth who were brought over to America, exfiltrated. Uh, some of them escaped the hangman's, hangman's noose at Nuremberg, uh-huh. uh, were exfiltrated in the United States, uh, mm-hmm. and, 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 and largely took over the security apparatus, uh, which is, as you say, is yeah. kind of strange. Supposedly the Allies won the war, and yet they turned this over to the Nazis. Um, right. But, uh, it, it, I'm just wondering, though, that well, the music is coming up here. We'll take a time out. We'll come back. Roseanne Barr discussing MK Ultra. We'll talk about how we can get out from under this uh, and much more. Here on The Conspiracy Show, stay with us.
providing the evidence and letting you draw your own conclusions. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome back. And neglected to, uh, off the top to uh, welcome a new affiliate, KFLA, uh, sorry, KFLDAM 870 in Yakima, Washington. Uh, KFLD AM 870 is the news talk leader in Yakima. Uh, welcome. Uh, welcome to the program. Roseanne Barr uh, stays with us for a few moments. Uh, outspoken uh, actress, comedian, writer, television producer, and will be in Toronto October 20th at a Conspiracy Culture Presents event uh, for information. Uh, go to their website, conspiracyculture.com. Uh, give Patrick and Kadena a call, and uh, they'll tell you how to get tickets. Uh, Roseanne Barr will be uh, part of a, uh, a panel along with Kathy O'Brien and Mark Phillips. Kathy O'Brien, of course, a very high-level MK Ultra victim and recovered survivor. Roseanne Barr talking about Hollywood's darkest secret, mind control, which, of course, is very pervasive, uh, all aspects of society. Roseanne, you wanted to also talk about how we get out from under this, and for people who whether they've just been brainwashed or perhaps even specifically targeted, and we're hearing uh, every day from different people who believe they are being targeted, uh, electronic har- harassment, organized gang stalking, and so forth. What can people do who, who believe that they are, well, all of us, I guess, are victims to a certain extent of brainwashing and mind control? Right. How do we get out from under this? Well, if you have PTSD or DID or any of these kind of mental health issues that come from trauma-based I guess you could say shock and awe. (laughs) That's one way of saying it. You can heal from it, and you can do that, I think, through meditation and heightened awareness and really walking it back to source to see where it came from. And also, we're we're very much for uh, the legalization of marijuana in the the treatment um, of uh, PTSD and, and stuff like that because... You know, it definitely helps, and, and we hope that uh, we're seeing, like, progress all over the United States with uh, our, our troops who have PTSD and uh, and uh, the Veterans Administration, all these places, accepting marijuana now more and more as a treatment for PTSD. It's a great treatment also for, for breaking out of mind control. If you, um, you know, put that together with, uh, you know, um, meditation and uh talking to other people who have healed from it, who've, uh, you know, um, synthesized their broken and fractured personality parts, um, you know, it, it's not that hard. It, it's like, you know, the, the fact of it is that it's so false and really so stupid at, it, at its core that it's not that hard to walk out of. It, the, reason it, the reason people do have problem walking out of it is because all the fear that's layered in the the fractured mind about just that fact about leaving it oh my god there's so much fear put into people um to prevent them from actually you know thinking in a in an integrated and synthesized manner so you know meditation also helps with the fear so it's like directly you know facing it directly and head-on with uh, like-minded people and and we can get out of it and, um, you know, and turn it around and, and uh, you know, try to stop it and, 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 and also give some logical analysis to it so that people can understand that make it, also making it visible is so important because the reason it thrives, one of the reasons, besides the fact that it's sealed in violence and all kinds of other psychological terrors, is uh, 
because it's invisible and because it's so pervasive that you can't even see it. So when it becomes visible, it, it really, really loses a lot of its, a lot of its sting and a lot of its power. Um, but we have to bring it into visibility and that's why we're doing what we're doing because we've seen a lot of people, we've seen many people, uh, get free and turn and turn their mind and their life and everything else around. I hear from people on a, on a, a weekly basis, certainly. In fact, I, I received an email from uh, a woman uh, the other week who uh, is an ER doctor who's 60 years uh-huh. old and getting ready to retire. And she said, I was hoping to enjoy my retirement, but she said she is being targeted for some sort of... Uh, you know, she's being harassed electronically. Uh, she's not sure what's going on, who's behind it. Uh, when you start hearing from professional people, I've also heard from sheriffs in the United States who, who claim that they're being targeted. I mean, are we talking about the same thing when I'm talking about electronic harassment, organized gang stalking? Is that part of what you're also talking about with, with mind well, yeah, control? That's, a, that's just a tactic that they, that they use to keep people silent. And, you know, when you look into the abuse that creates you know, the, the kind of child abuse that uh, is uh, the, the foundation of MK Ultra. I mean, that's what you really have to look at, you know? So I, I hope I answered your question. Sure. If I could ask you, and, and, and I, I don't know if this is something you discuss, and if, if it's not, that's fine. But, I mean, you've talked about your dissociative identity disorder. Do mm-hmm. you now, you know, tracing it back to its root, do you, I mean, was that a result of some sort of a, a mind control a, a program that, that were the perps? Did they, was that their intended purpose? Uh, no, mine was, a, mine was a, a result of shock and awe as a, as a, as a really young child. And a lot of it did have to do with Nazis, and a lot of it, uh, in fact, all of it did. I, I was raised in, in an apartment house with uh, survivors, Jewish people, who uh, my grandparents brought over from German uh, death camps, and I, I was just raised in that. So um, the things they would talk about, the things they watched on TV, I mean, that wasn't appropriate for a girl of three years old to watch, but I did. And I was encouraged to do so. And I do trace it all back to that because I, when I saw those pictures at a young age, I had, I had no way to understand what that was. I had no way of uh, containing that information. And it did cause me to, uh, to split. And, um, you know, it also <laughs> is, is the reason why I, I'm talking about fascism and Terror and all those things that that Nazis did, and uh, you know, three year old, three years old was not. Uh, you know, I don't advise anybody else to show their kids uh, pictures that I saw then. But you know, it, it's uh, that's what caused my split, and also uh, living among people who had survived all of those horrors caused my split too, because it was just a normal uh, way that we talked in our family about things i mean you know they they would tell uh you know people in my family would tell like these horrifying stories of things they had lived through or or things other people were talking about in our apartment building and um yeah yeah, it was terror i I just call it shock awe and terror and uh it did it did do that to me and i still i'm 51 now i still can't contain those images and uh and uh, I just, you know, I still, I still, 
I'm still in shock and and terror well, and trauma that those things didn't just happen then. Uh, they happen all over the world all the time. And the only reason they happen is because, like I say, they're, they have become invisible and unseeable, and that is part of it. Uh, I think to a, to a you know a lesser degree, or maybe not. You, you may may see it's the same thing. But I, we're all being subjected to to shock and awe uh, right. almost on a nightly basis. When you look at uh, yes, you we know. are. So, to what extent are we all then victims of of, of mind control? Well, you know, it's a capitalist tool. I mean, if you're really going to go into it, you know, it's it's a tool that keeps you in your house afraid of everything, and you just buy things. So, you know, to keep people disaffected, disconnected, ignorant, and, um, you know, fearful, that is the, that's how MK Ultra works and how it continues. Because as long as you don't see it, you know, um, as long as people are not aware of it, as long as they don't see it, as long as it's not visible, you know, uh, you know, it, it thrives in darkness and secrecy. And um, so it continues that... Uh, People who speak up about it or say anything about it, you know, they're immediately, I do think, you know, there's, you're attacked. First of all, you're called crazy because that's really hilarious because most of the people who have, in fact, all of the people who survived MK Ultra have mental health issues. So that's how they attack any child who tells on them, even in, even when they're in a, an adult body, if that, uh, former child held on, you know, the uh, agents and the perpetrators, you know, it, it still works to silence the victim, to harass the victim. I'm sure they do microwaves and everything else I've heard about. I'm sure they do because it's imperative that nobody knows what's going on. Otherwise, it couldn't continue. Like I say, um, you know, if the American public were you know, was was uh, aware of what would go, what's going on in in our government in our country. They they would stop it and demand accurate representation in government from their representatives. They wouldn't be putting up with people being lobbyists, uh, inside trading, and all the other stuff they hide. And um, you know, the only people who are ever going to come forward and tell on any of these people are people who lived through it because. They are positive that they're, that uh, it goes on. How did you hook? And, and their lives are proof. How did you uh, hook up with with Kathy O'Brien and uh, and her story? Well, we have mutual friends. I used to do a radio show in Los Angeles at KPFK Radio, and uh, that's I had we had mutual friends there, and I had Kathy on as a uh, as a radio guest and, and interviewed her, and you know we just really liked each other right away because we was like on, we're on like so much of up the same wavelength in, in the way that we understand how the brain works, how it works when it's been divided, and how it works incredibly, like an incredible machine, when it has facts uh, and things like that and has some, some level of integration. Then this human machine, this brain, is a, 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 a mighty, mighty weapon. Uh, Roseanne Barr on the, uh, the line, and uh, she is... Of course, an award-winning uh, comedian, actress, writer, producer will be in Toronto October 20th, a conspiracy culture event, 1696 Queen Street. If you uh, go through uh, the website, conspiracyculture.com, and uh, they'll um, let you know how you can get tickets. The information will be there as well. And uh, Roseanne will be here uh, introducing 
uh, Kathy O'Brien, of course, a high-level MKUltra survivor, along with uh, Mark Phillips, uh, who helped uh, rescue uh, Kathy O'Brien. And Roseanne Barr will be speaking about MKUltra and, uh, and Hollywood. And I'm so happy that it's in a church. Last time Kathy and Mark and I spoke, we also spoke in a church in Los Angeles. And you can find that online. Um, and uh, I think that was the same subject, MKUltra, in in uh, Los Angeles about five years ago. And uh, so things have really, you know, they've really moved forward since that time. And uh, That's for sure. I know. was mentioning that, 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 that uh, the, the idea of mind control and electronic harassment and so forth is starting to gain currency in the mainstream media because of some you know, horrible, tragic events. Are you at least heartened by that aspect, that, that, that the mainstream media seems to be waking up? Well, you know, uh, yeah, I'm very heartened that people all over our country and everywhere in the world are, are like, you know, going to the next level of awareness where where we have to go if we're going to save ourselves. So, yeah, I'm thrilled. And, you know, I, I, I do whatever I can do every day in my life simply because I don't like fascism. I don't like, uh, you know, sexual abuse of children i i don't like any of that stuff so i have to fight every day otherwise i feel like you know what i mean that i i can't just sit back and and take it easy especially now where it's starting to catch fire and people are like actually talking about it naming it making it visible i mean it's very exciting very cool i'm happy for I'm very happy and excited for people to hear Kathy O'Brien speak because she's a fantastic speaker and Mark's a great speaker. And, um, you know, the information is, uh, it's extremely healing information. I'm going to also give people uh, ways to breathe, to relax themselves so that, you know, right now I do believe that a lot of mentally ill people are being activated. You know what I mean? Yes. They're being activated through drugs and all the other things they do to people who have, you know, problems, first of all, because they're divided. They have a divided mind, which comes from all this crap, uh, abuse and every other thing, lying, shock, shock, you know, nothing making sense. All, all the things that they have in place to keep everybody quiet. And, uh, you know, I, I'm just thrilled that, People are waking up, and like I say, I'm going to also give breathing exercises that will help you not be activated because I do think they activate the mentally ill first and um, the, disaffe- the disaffected and disenfranchised. They're, they're working real hard to activate them, too, and to turn us all against each other. But Rose. I really believe, like, if we have some kind of tool that allows us to self-calm, you know what I mean, and yes. not be activated when we feel our blood pressure rising, when we feel our heart beating up. We can fight on a personal meditative level, and that's where this whole battle is really taking place, in the penthouse of the mind, the penthouse level of the mind. And Kathy and I have, uh, you know, we talked for many, many years about uh, meditation and how it is a great weapon against mind control. All right, and we look That's forward we'll to doing. we'll look forward to hearing you on October the twentieth, right here in Toronto. Roseanne Barr, thank you so much hey, for your time. You. All right, good night. Bye. Back with more of the conspo- conspiracy culture as we talk John Lennon here. Stay with us. Take a look around. 
What do you really see? This is where you can tell all about it. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. As we're welcomed back by uh, John Lennon's Mind Game, a terrific album from late 1973, November of 1973, I believe that album came out. And uh, how appropriate uh, that song as we... uh, uh, come off the tail end of a, an interview with Roseanne Barr coming to Toronto October 20th to talk about uh, MK Ultra and how it rules Hollywood. Uh, you know, Roseanne has always been uh, controversial and, and sort of put herself out there on a limb, but uh, now talking publicly uh, about Hollywood's dark secret and uh, uh, the legacy of uh, the Nazis and their MK Ultra program. Uh, and how they are using Hollywood, and of course mind control, pervasive in all aspects of society. And uh, there are those who still, um, who maintain, and I, I think, you know, you, you, you can't dismiss this out of hand, that, that uh, John Lennon's killer, uh, Mark David Chapman, um, may have been a programmed patsy, maybe not the gunman himself, but simply programmed to stand there, be in the wrong place at the wrong time, uh, and uh, we'll we'll discuss that uh, over the next half hour or so with a very good friend of the program. He's um, really, I think, one of the world's foremost rock historians and uh, a native Tennessean with a passion for rock and roll. He's a published author with Simon & Schuster. Uh, our Gary Patterson uh, is probably best known, or at least initially, for his uh, groundbreaking uh, book, The Walrus Was Paul. And uh, that, of course, sort of laid to rest, or at least tried to address many of the Paul is dead rumors that were floating around back in the uh, the late 1960s. And uh, he followed that up with Hellhounds on Their Trail, uh, where he continued his popular theme of rock and roll's enduring myths and legends. And, uh, of course, Take a Walk on the Dark Side, Rock and Roll Myths, Legends, and Curses, uh, which came out, uh, I believe, in 2004. And he's always working on something, and it's always a great pleasure to welcome back to the program our Gary Patterson. How are you, Gary? I'm doing great, Richard. I was just thinking, it's October. I'll be with Richard. We'll talk about John Lennon. How are you? I'm well, thank you, and it's great to to have you on again. It's been too long, my friend. It Uh, has. Hard to believe uh, Lennon would be nearly 73. Oh, it is hard to believe. You know, this is birthday, October 9th, coming up, and uh, 73 years old. Uh, and, and nearly 33 and nearly 33 years uh since uh he he left us uh you know so much has been you know written and talked about Lennon's Lennon's life and I thought we could spend a few moments talking about some things that people may not be aware of uh okay. concerning John Lennon and um you know I uh interviewed uh, a ufologist not too long ago uh, up here in Canada by the name of uh, Grant Cameron and uh, Grant uh, wrote a, an article or a, a blog, I guess, recently on his website talking about uh, Paul McCartney's 1997 album, Flaming Pie. And then he sort of discussed, you know, where that name came from uh, and its connection to Lennon's UFO sightings. Uh, what can you tell me about Lennon's sort of, uh, I guess he had two sort of close encounters. Well, it was very interesting because after he had gone on his lost weekend, which actually turned in much longer than that, and he was with May Pang. They had an apartment in New York, and that's where he really saw a UFO sighting. And uh, have you ever interviewed May? Has she been on your show? Um, I, I didn't speak with her. I was producing a show, and I had May, May Pang on the program, but I don't think we talked about that. Um, okay. May's, May's fabulous. We're going to have to get her on. And uh, she was tell, telling about what she saw. And Obviously, John had been out 
front and she was taking a shower and he had gone out completely naked and he sees it and it's it's like you know it's just hovering there and it's it's very close to him and she she went out she saw it and she was describing it and the story goes that as it was about to take off john yelled at it hey take me with you take me with you and it left then they didn't know what to do because i mean he could call in and say listen uh, i just saw a ufo my name's john lennon and he thought well that's going to be crazy you know everybody's going to say john lennon saw a ufo so he actually kept it secret for a while and then of course what was it walls and bridges where he wrote on this date i saw a ufo yes and he puts it on the back of his album but may described it perfectly so it wasn't just john lennon i mean may Payne was there and this was when they were living in the, in the yeah. village at the time, I believe. Not the Dakota, right. but in the village. Not the Dakota, in the village. All right, listen, we'll take a time and out. We'll come back as yeah. uh, we hear whatever gets you through the night uh, coming up here from that album, Walls and Bridges. Back on the other side are Gary Patterson, The Life and Times and Death of John Lennon. Here on The Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome back. Our Gary Patterson is uh, with us as we uh, commemorate what would be the 73rd birthday of former Beatle John Lennon. Uh, here's something may- many people may not know about Lennon. He was a choir boy and a Boy Scout. Uh, Lennon, the great rock and roll rebel and iconoclast, started his singing career as a choir boy at uh, St. Peter's Church in uh, Liverpool, I guess, and was a member of the 3rd Allerton Boy Scout Troop. Uh, our Gary Patterson, uh, we were talking about uh, his UFO encounter in Greenwich Village, I guess sort of the early to mid-70s when he was uh, living with uh, May Pang at the time. Uh, he and Yoko were estranged. Now, what precipitated that uh, that separation uh, when, when she basically kicked him out and said, you know, go to L.A. and come back when you're ready? Well, it's kind of interesting. Uh, May Pang suggests that it's because Yoko wanted John out of the way so she could have an affair with a member of her band. And she actually allowed, or she actually had May go with John. And May really didn't want to go. But she convinced her to go with John. They went to Los Angeles. You know, they rented a place. They ran in with Harry Nilsson. The two, well, two of the Beatles would come out and visit. So in her book, I mean, she talks about you know, the lost weekend, which actually was much longer. And then when she fell in love with John, Yoko would call every day and some had some form of control over him. But eventually the song you play, you know, whatever gets you through the night that he did with Elton John, he told Elton that the song ever hit number one. He had performed with him live. He did so in New York and that was the night he and Yoko got back together again. And May was out just left out. And May told me that uh when John was murdered, that she received a call from uh, his friends in, in London and didn't want her to be alone. I think she spent that night with David Boy in New York. So, you know, and May, you know, she's a very bright lady, and she, she was someone who assembled all the studio times and kept the records and uh, when John would record. And one of the strangest things, you remember Number 9 Dream, right? Yes, yes. Well, you remember that voice that goes, John, whispers his name? Yes. That was May Pang. Ah. But after Yoko comes back, Yoko takes off May's voice, and she does the Johns on Never Nine Dream. Oh, now, interesting. Kind of, yeah, I thought there that 
One of the things I noticed about now, I want to get back to the uh, the other UFO encounter he had at the Dakota, uh, the, the story that Yuri Geller tells. But before that, you know, talking about the the tracks on his albums, and and I've always noticed, you know, Lennon loved to double track his records, and and then I I mm-hmm. heard recently that Lennon did that because he actually hated the sound of his own voice. Is that true? Have you well, heard that? You know. I know that a lot of artists hate the sound of their voice. Jimi Hendrix hated the sound of his voice, and that's why, like on Purple Haze and some of the other songs, he's in the background with a lot of reverb. But John Lennon had one of the greatest voices in rock and roll. But I guess after a while, you sort of hear yourself and you hear every flaw you have. It's like you look in a mirror and you see every imperfection. And I think John was perfectionist when it came to it. I think double tracking it made it, you know, made it better. Yeah, apparently he asked him. He yeah. asked George Martin to cover the sound of his voice. He said something like, yeah. oh, can't you smother it with tomato ketchup or something? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, George Martin would, would say, well, this is the greatest voice I've ever recorded in rock and roll. You know, And he still says that. I mean, Lennon's voice is fabulous. And when you listen to the Beatles and, and you grow up with them and you listen to it all the time, you'd be surprised how many songs John actually sings. Yes. You know, the yes. hits. And, of course, Paul has his share too but you know john was really the singer he was the one who really pushed these songs uh the uh, the yuri geller uh, story uh where where lennon was i believe at this point now he's back in the dakota he wakes up one night and uh-huh. he has this strange alien encounter are you familiar yeah, with that story the yuri geller yeah, story he's, yeah he sees a light under the bedroom door and when he gets up he opens the door and he swears that there are at least three creatures in the Dakota, and they're like bug-like, as he referred to them. And he tried to, like he was trying to step on them. But then a ray hits him, and he's paralyzed. And he finds himself like floating back into his bedroom. And Yoko doesn't notice anything about this. And back into his bed. And when he wakes up, he has these three strange stone-like objects in his hand. And before he was murdered... Uh, Uri Geller says that Lennon had told him this story, and he gave him the stones. And he says, I don't know what these are. They may be a passage on a UFO, you know, like a ticket. But, you know, you look at them, you have them, and then he was murdered. So Uri Geller has these stones. I don't know if I've ever seen a picture of them or had him come out and actually show them anywhere, but that's the story. Amazing. And, well, given, you know, uh, Lennon's... Uh, drug use, one could sort of dismiss that. On the other hand, uh, the the the, uh, the other UFO encounter with May Pang uh, mm-hmm. seems to have you know some 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 credence to it. So hard to dismiss it out of hand. It'd be interesting to talk to Yuri Geller. I, I, there was one quote I, I think that was attributed to Geller uh, that Grant Cameron was telling me. Uh, Geller said, "Now I, I thought they were sort of like uh, egg shaped or something." And Geller mm-hmm. said that he did, he was afraid to have them checked out in case they you know they found on them you know in small writing made in Taiwan or something. I guess he didn't want to destroy the <laughs> destroy the myth uh, or, or yeah. so forth. Well, the myth the myth makes a great story. If it is, you know, I mean, it's just fascinating. And uh, maybe when Lennon yelled, "Hey, come back and get me or take me with you," then maybe that's what they were trying to do that night. Our Gary Patterson is with us, and uh, we're talking about uh, the uh, the life and death of John Lennon. What are you working on these days, Gary? Well, right now I've got several chapters of a new book and. I'm flying out to Denver Saturday and Sunday. I'm recording two television shows with uh, George Norrie for his uh, 
Bruce Royce, his show he has called Beyond Belief. So I'll be doing two shows with him on Sunday and then flying back on Monday. So I'll be, I'm a little busy, but I've got, I've got time and, and I've got some great stories coming up. So it's going to be fun for me. It's just uh, a matter of getting everything down and, and budgeting the time so I can do everything. But, you know, you know how it is, Richard. It's just, uh, you just got to, you just got to do it. Excellent. Of course you do. You got to keep, you got to persevere. Um, getting back to, uh, to John Lennon. And uh, I, I mentioned, you know, I was talking to Roseanne Barr off the top. We were talking about mind control, and uh, uh, there is obviously a connection to that with Lennon and 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 the uh, the theory that Mark David Chapman uh, may have been programmed uh, either as the gunman or as uh, as a patsy, simply to stand sort of in the wrong place at the wrong time. And uh, even the um, uh, Fenton Bresler, who wrote uh, sort of one of the definitive books concerning, you know, Lennon's uh, murder, uh, interviewed a, uh, the New York detective, one of the New York detectives responsible for the case, and even he admitted that, they, that, that Chapman's behavior was very odd after, after Lennon's death. He simply sat down on the curb in a very calm manner and waited for the authorities to arrive, uh, which sort of, you know, has all the, the, uh, the telltale signs, some say, of a, of a programmed assassin. What do you make of that whole, that whole theory that, that Chapman was programmed? You know, my goodness, I've heard this ever since uh, Lennon was murdered, uh, and it falls into the Manchurian candidate. And even the movie Conspiracy Theory with uh, Mel Gibson used, you know, Kester Nawai. And it was odd that Chapman says, you know, this is my story, and he, and he has a copy of Kester Nawai, and he's reading it again. And, of course, you know, if that was to trigger it, it just seems odd that a few hours before he's smiling while John Lennon is signing his double fantasy out. And then he has enough to come back and say, John Lennon, and shoots him five times and kills him. And just calmly sits there. I mean, to me, psychologically, it doesn't seem like something a normal person would do. Uh, I don't know whether he programmed himself into the idea that he kept calling himself John Lennon. He married an Asian woman you know, like John had with Yoko. He became obsessed with him and felt like, you know, Lennon had betrayed the youth of, uh, of the country and the world because of Imagine. And he used to sit around with his guitar and do these church groups in Georgia, and he'd sing, Imagine There's No John Lennon. And, you know, it was very odd. It seems like he tried to talk himself out of it a few times. And when you read Let Me Take You Down and some of the other sources, Chapman, you know, said that, you know, he asked the devil to give him the, power to kill John Lennon. And then you hear the story that, you know, he was actually exercised while he was in prison and demons were cast out. So if you're talking about a supernatural use of control, you might have a have something there too. And the government now, Richard, why did the government want to get rid of John Lennon in nineteen eighty? If they were going to kill John Lennon, they would have got him in seventy two, I think. Right. Wait, dude, right. He was far yeah. more outspoken. Um uh However, it's been suggested that Lenin was getting ready to remember from 75 to 1980, he was sort of the devoted house husband baking bread mm-hmm. inside the Dakota and so forth, out of the public eye. Uh, but uh, the very next day, uh, it would have been December 9th, Lenin was supposed to fly to San Francisco and, and take part in some sort of uh, organized labor protest. It seems like he was starting to get political again. Yeah, well... You know, I was just thinking that the problem Lennon had 
Swahili and Yoko flew to the United States, and when they landed in New York, the first you know person to meet him was Abby Hoffman. And, of course, Abby Hoffman and other radicals of that time period being associated with John Lennon got John Lennon on the FBI charts. And somewhere in New York City uh, was a radical album, what, was 71, I believe. And his song, John Sinclair, and the FBI was very interested. They considered him dangerous, uh, tried to, you know, deport him. They tried to come up maybe narcotics charges, and they couldn't make that happen. But, you know, at that time he was at his most dangerous because in 72, this would be the first year that 18-year-olds could actually vote in a presidential election. And if John Lennon went out on the road and campaigned against Richard Nixon and the Vietnam War, all these people who were 18 grew up with the Beatles. He would have had significant influence on them. So he would be very dangerous to the political structure in 1971-72. In 1980, if he was regaining his uh, equilibrium, so he would go out and he would campaign on social issues, he could be dangerous. But, you know, a lot of times there's a big difference when you're doing, you know, John Sinclair and, and a radical movement in 71 and watching the wheels go round. And, you know, perhaps that would be one thing that you eliminate and you don't have a problem. Now, think of the counterculture. When you had the counterculture, who were the main leaders? Yeah, Jimi Hendrix. The Black Panthers were involved with Jimi. Right. You had Janis Joplin. You had uh, John Lennon. You had Jim Morrison. And those were your big four. And Mama Cass, too, by the way. She had a lot of radical background groups. And what did they all have in common? They were all dead. Right. And Lennon lasted longer, 1980. I mean, when you have Hendrix and Janis Joplin and Jim Morrison, when Hendrix died... I think it was two weeks before Joplin, she said, well, I'm glad I didn't die today because he would have got all the press. Well, she died two weeks later. And Morrison was in Miami, and he told his friends, he said, you know, you're drinking with number three. And he was dead in Paris. And you take a look at all this. It's just odd that at Monterey and, you know, with Lennon, probably the greatest radical of all, being dead by 1980. I mean, what are the the odds of that? Indeed. Indeed. Well, Gary, uh, always a pleasure to have you uh, with us, and let's not leave it so long next time. Let's um, let's see if we can get uh, another show together, maybe before the end of the year, and uh, good luck right. with all of your projects. Richard, we just need to work on something together and have some fun. That's for sure. We will talk. Uh, in the meantime, yeah. I really encourage people to uh, take a walk on the dark side. Rock and roll myths, legends, and curses, available at uh, good bookstores everywhere, and Amazon.com, of course. Uh, Gary, thanks again for this. Be well, my friend. All right. You too, Richard. Talk to you soon. All right. You can say hello on Twitter at Richard Serrett, the website richardserrett.com. And as always, follow the truth. Follow the people.